And we are yes, back. We are. The Run Duo. Duo. I'm Tommy Mitchell. And I am India Cook. And this is episode 30. Episode 30. Yes, yes, and yes. Just to let you know if you watch it on um, Almost Live, how y'all doing? What's going on? Guys? Otherwise, of course, you're going to want to, after you watch Almost Live, mm-hmm. you're going to want to go check out the interview with Dr. Lyons. Yes. Um, he is um, with. South Fulton Running Partners. South Fulton Run- Running yes. Partners, as well as she's on. He's on the Unity Collective. He uh, is. He is on their um, committee. Team and exactly. Committee. Yes. So sure. definitely go check. You're gonna want to go check that out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Yes, for sure. Please do that. So India. Yes. How's it going? It's going good. It, it's it, for some reason it just seems like it's been so long. This we did. I don't know why. It just weeks. seems like I know it's a regular two weeks, but it just seems I don't like, know. It seems it, like it's been that longer. That means a life has 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 gotten a hold of you. A lot of stuff been going on. So. Yes, definitely a whole lot of life getting on with me. Yes, but um, but it is definitely good to see you. Uh, Thank so you. how's life treating you? It's going good. I am currently training for Peachtree Road Race. Well, I can't say training. I am. Why can't you say training? I'm just getting my life back together. So conditioning, being more consistent with my runs and my workouts. So I don't have a training plan per se. Gotcha. So okay. that's why okay. it's not, it's not that, but guess what? What's up? So the other day it was probably like the week after we, we did this last video. Uh-huh. I did for some reason I left my run watch, um, at my boyfriend's house, found it there, Okay, but I left it. I went on a run on like Monday and I walked all the way up the hill by my neighborhood to get ready to start my run. And I realized that it was gone, that I didn't have it on. I I contemplated turning around all the way around (laughs) to go all the way back home to get it. And I realized that I couldn't find it anyway. I did two rate, two runs without my Garmin watch. And I was like, you know what, what is the odds of kind of like how I feel without running with a watch? And then I think back to, when I didn't have a watch at all, yeah. and I was using Nike running app. Okay, you used the Nike app. Okay. Yes, that's you when have I like first a flip started. And everything? No, I just had the, my phone. Oh, okay. I just ran my phone, okay. so I didn't have that. Okay. Nike running app, and then I transitioned to a Fitbit watch. Uh huh. I had a Fitbit watch, and then I I went to a Garmin, okay. and I think once I went to Garmin, I did not run without it. Yeah. And I, like I sit here and I think about the last time that I ran without a running watch, and it was just like you know I really feel like it was at least a year ago Mm -hmm. that I hadn't run without a running watch. So I thought that that was interesting. What do you, how do you feel about running or running without or with a device? Well, I mean, I run without, well, no, I, I, I used to make a point of trying to run without a watch, but you got to understand something. I'm from the age where we ain't have watches. We ain't have, we ain't have apps. <laughs> I hear you. We have nothing. I used I to actually you. tell my dad to go like, Hey dad, drive around the block and tell me how far it is. Mm-hmm. So I'll know when I run around the block, how far I was running. Right. Um, and then once Google Maps came out, mm-hmm. that's kind of how you start to try to mm-hmm. be able to tell or not. It was probably MapQuest. It probably wasn't Google Maps, right. but MapQuest. Mm-hmm. But, yes, running without technology, I think, is a good thing. Right. Because it's just it's just freeing. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just, I'm just cruising along. But, you know, in today's world of posting and yeah. it, it's like yeah. if, if you didn't post it, did it actually happen? Right. Like, did it? If it didn't show up on your Garmin results, did it happen? Did it actually did you happen? Really do it. So I did come across an article. Um, uh-huh. Dr. Andrew and um, Dr. Martin Turner. They are both psycholo- um, psychologists, 
And they can't, they were talking about how running with a running app or running with a watch all the time can give you a negative implication to your running and the mindset. And just, it puts you to a place of being too competitive, Mm -hmm. um, your self-worth of running. So if you have a day that you don't run with the watch, like how well, are you really running? Did you really do it? Even though you may have done it. Like yeah. if it's not recorded, did it really happen? Yes. Um, if you don't run, who are you? So if you're taking a break and like not running, people are expecting you to post stuff on social media. Yeah. People are expecting to see it. If you go a day or a week or whatever without posting, people are like, is everything okay? And it's like, no, yeah, where you, you know, like, I need where a break. You been? Where you been? It's like, no, I need a break. <laughs> what happens also when people that actually post their times, what happens when you're now running a 10 minute mile, when your people are used to seeing you run a seven minute mile. So in this article, they were talking about the implications and the negative things that can come along with it. So you may be increasing um, your training more than you should because of those expectations from other people. You may be putting in more hours. You may be putting in more um, being more competitive and it just kind of really takes over the mind. It doesn't allow you to really enjoy it. But of course they brought in some of the, the motivating factors and accountability that comes along with it, but they definitely say unplugging is very important. Most definitely. I, I, I would agree that unplugging is definitely, definitely important because you're right. I think it's the same thing with running with groups sometimes too, mm-hmm. because you get so competitive because right. you're running with the group. You don't relax and like run the pace. Maybe you should run, mm-hmm. but I, I would say this. Cause I remember when, when the whole posting your runs mm-hmm. first started coming out mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people that would not post their times. Like yeah, they'll post their I'm miles like that. and they won't post their times I'm like that, which I was like, why? What is it? Cause honestly <laughs> I didn't care. And I mean, yeah. probably cause I had, I wasn't running around other people enough to know what actually was fast and mm-hmm. what was slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would post my time, didn't care, whatever. Right. And then like, I've gone to the point where I, I was running really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So and now I don't, yeah, now mm-hmm. I don't run as fast and I, I can see it on my, on my garment and on my Strava, mm-hmm. but I, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, I ran, uh, yeah, I ran five miles at 11, mi- 11 minute pace per right. mile. I do not care. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's, and a, I that's think me. That was their focus too on mm-hmm. the guilt and shame behind it and the peer pressure behind if things do change, are you putting too much pressure on yourself and then losing the, you know, excitement out of running because of that. So, and I think for me, I don't post my times because of the, I hear so many comments about, oh, you know, how asking about time, asking about pace, asking who's going to, you know, beat who and all yeah. that stuff that it's just yeah. too much. So I just rather not put it on there. I mean, y'all can look me on up on athletes if y'all that froggy, but trust me, you know, people, people do it. People, people do, do it. it. People yes. be Googling people. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> how was your mother's day? Um, well, I mean, it was fine. It, we didn't do nothing. Okay. Um, she didn't want to celebrate yet. I understand. Yeah, so I have a good friend to... that's expecting. And I was like, Ooh. Yeah, I was she... like, do you do happy I mean, Mother's Day prior If to... anybody wished Heather happy birthday, she ain't mad, but no. she just didn't want to. <laughs> yes. She didn't really want to celebrate it until, until she has. She actually had. We had a runner have a baby yes. on Mother's Day. Congrats, Congratulations Maria. to Maria on yes. on on the new little girl. Yes. Um, and I mean Willow, Willow, and yes. that's great. Um, I actually, on I thought I thought Heather was gonna try to push it out on Mother. I really did. I was like, <laughs> she's, she's gonna probably try. gonna try to plan. Come on, <laughs> try to plan oh. this, but yeah, Mother's Day was fine. How how was yours? I know you you kind of go 
Yes, I introvert on yeah, Mother's Day. Yeah, on Mother's Day. Yes, yeah. I introvert myself uh-huh. on Mother's Day. I stayed off of social media. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was fine. I wish my stepmom happy birthday. She's yeah. in Texas and, uh-huh. you know, all of that. So because I can't be around, you know, all of that and yeah. family time and all that, yeah. I introvert on Mother's Day. I remove myself from social media usually. I don't look at all the posts and all that stuff. And I just, <laughs> I had a me day. So yeah. I actually did. Yeah. I relaxed, um, got some stuff done around the house. So mm-hmm. just kind of relaxed and had a me day. Well, I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, because my mother has passed away, too, um, mm-hmm. when I was uh, younger. But, you know, it's, it, you know, at this point, I was 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's been so long ago, I don't really, you know, think about it as much. But, um, of course, I have sisters with kids. I right. have, you know, um, kid, <laughs> my sister's kids have kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of my, my hey, happy Mother's Day. But mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't do a lot. I know next year, though. Oh. You got to come correct, oh Tommy. My. What you going to do? I don't know you that. You need to start thinking about it now. Whatever. I'm going to do like my mom used to do. Like, my mom, because, like, when we were kids and Father's Day would come around, yeah. it would be like, what we going? What we getting dad for Father's Day? I'm going to be like, that ain't my dad. <laughs> I don't know. What y'all, <laughs> what what y'all, y'all getting him? That's what I was going to be like, Trey, what you getting right. your mama? <laughs> you better get your mama That's going to be right around that one-year birthday. So, yes. Yes, indeed. That so exciting. So something very, speaking of Mother's Day, uh-huh. something very interesting. So there was an article posted in New York Times. It was called Nike told me to dream, told me to dream crazy until I wanted a baby. Um, basically, this article talks about individuals that are sponsored by Nike or Asics or any or other mm-hmm. um, some of these elite groups yeah um how becoming pregnant at while being a sponsor athlete is considered a negative thing um and this article basically talks about all of the different people that were sponsored sponsored athletes and they became pregnant they are very nervous to tell nike that they were expecting Mm -hmm. and nike actually came out and expressed that they have in the past cut back some of their athletes pay during their pregnancy time and during the time of having their baby and that's because I they, they did explain that it was because of performance and not being able to basically execute the way that they should within their contract. Now, they did express that in 2018, they did change this. They changed some things within the contract. They didn't want to go into detail in the article in regards to that. Okay. But they are looking at not penalizing um, the athletes anymore. But they did say they did acknowledge that they do reduce their pay. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very interesting. I know last year I started following um, Allison Felix. Okay. And she kind of went ghost on social media a little bit. And then she came back. And she actually put a post up. It was it was last December, just expressing that it's not good if you feel uncomfortable expressing to your employer that you're expecting and feeling like you might not get your pay. Yeah, that that actually, I, I'm I'm kind of with her on that because that is kind of messed up mm-hmm. because you because there are so many athletes, female athletes that get pregnant and come right back mm-hmm. and do just as well as they did before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it has something to do with they feel like um, because. They were pregnant. They they aren't going to be able to perform after the baby. Right. Or they think once they have a kid, right. they're going to be less likely to go out right. and train because mm-hmm. now they have a child and they want to spend more time right. with the child. But exactly. what's, what's the difference? I mean, I, I guarantee you I will not be doing as much stuff once mm-hmm. the little kid comes. Not because it's, it's going to keep me busy, right. but because, okay, I got a kid now. I, right. I'd rather spend my time doing this as opposed to mm-hmm. other things. Right. Now, one of the athletes, Kara Gosher, she had she gave birth in 2010. She mm-hmm. was explaining in an article how it basically was like, you either go out there and train 
or you breastfeed your child. If you can't do both, like medically, it didn't allow yeah. her to do both. Yeah. It, you know, she felt like she had to choose, and that was the pressure that she got from Nike to choose, like which one to do. And it ended up being three months postpartum. She was signing up for a half marathon, and it's like, you know, what do you do in that case? And the thing about it is, with athletes that are sponsored, they're not getting paid salaries. They're getting paid through year. You know, yeah. through gear, through sponsorship, they're yeah. getting paid when winning races. So it's not as if it's you know here's a lump sum paid. of money. You're yeah. not you're gonna you're not gonna continuously get paid. And of course, you know, athletes like Serena Williams, things of that nature, they're making a lot of money. So them missing nine months or whatever out of you know a, a yeah. race or running yeah. is you know they have money stacked versus exactly. some of these other athletes are not making that much money. So I think it's really interesting. I know in 2014 they did have. Um, Alicia Montano, she was known kind of as she did the um, U.S. championships. Okay. And she was known as the pregnant runner. She was the runner that came out her belly like she was fully showing and she was actually running. Uh-huh. And they ba- she basically said she had to fight to keep her paycheck. Really? So, yeah. So these these athletes are really having to fight to keep their paycheck. So I find it very interesting that, you know, I hope that Nike and other sponsorships, of course, this article was strictly in regards to um, Nike, but other other people that are have athletic sponsorships, there there needs to be more involvement and engagement and, and not cutting these people's pay. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely am one that that disagrees with that. I mean, until I guess to me, until you start showing that you're not going to be as active, mm-hmm. that's when you can cut the pay. Right. Like, when you start stop showing up, then. But until right. then, if right. you get pregnant, had a kid, and you right back yeah. hitting it. But at the end of the day, there's so much that goes on with a woman's body during pregnancy. Yeah. Like, the expectation to even have the baby drop it and get right into it, I think is something mm-hmm. that, a dynamic that needs to be changed, and then we, def- we definitely need well, to work on Well, you know my feeling. Whole. I was like, when a woman is pregnant, go sit down. You, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just how I feel about yeah. it. I mean, it's your body. Do what the right, hell you want. Right, right, but right. my point is, all the things that happens to a woman's body, mm-hmm. If 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 you weren't pregnant and that was happening, you and you felt the way you do when you're pregnant, mm-hmm. you would not continue to try to exercise and lift and all that. Yeah. You'd be like, something's wrong. I need yeah. to sit down. Mm-hmm. But because there's a predator in your belly, y'all <laughs> y'all decide. Well, you know what? I'm pregnant, but you know what? I'm gonna go do these pull ups anyway. Yeah. So I mean, you know, people are trying to stay in shape, and you know, it's it's different from it's just like when you're injured. Sometimes it's hard to sit down as a runner when you're injured. No. Well, for me, sometimes, like, it's, you know, the older we get, it's harder. But, like, it is harder to transition your life in that aspect. I mean, I understand you, you, because running and any kind of fitness becomes somewhat addictive on anybody's level. Right. Because it becomes that endorphin high and things like that. And then when you can't do it, Mm -hmm. yes, that is a problem. But, see, I think that also goes back to the whole posting and the social media you see all these other people There's doing this expectation. it. Expectation, exactly. Yes. And exactly. she's you know, running. She's nine months pregnant, and yes, she's fine. She, exactly. You can still see the abs poking out the side of her. <laughs> the side of her. You can her see bump. her abs and the baby yes. abs. Look at that. <laughs> yes. So social media definitely has, you know, put a different um, implication on the whole running as an athlete. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's yeah. actually really interesting because I, I, I'm definitely don't like Nike. I'm not a big Nike person, but that would definitely make me not like them as much. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And, you know, certain things come up about different sponsorships. You know, I was a Nike person or have been a Nike person. Yeah. You know, it is is very difficult when you start kind of digging the weeds on how different companies 
run their handle show. their yeah Han- handle how they business. handle their business so yes yeah. I, I i would like i did love seeing that and i i kind of posted about it and we had talked about it earlier that i really wasn't going to talk about it but i would really want to talk about <laughs> hookah i want to yeah. talk about the shoe not really the attempts they were making to break i think they were trying to break the 100 mile record mm-hmm. and they did break the 50 mile record right um but they had their own little project right. the project x carbon mm-hmm. hookah their new shoes yeah, yeah. mm-hmm I I really love that. I wish mm-hmm. Adidas would do something. I wish all of them would kind of mm-hmm. start doing that same kind of thing, pushing each other. Right. Because honestly, I've I've never worn hookah because I took it as more of a, I don't know, uh, a a triathlon shoe. Yeah, I used to say it looked very ther- very orthopedic, <laughs> and I, I know that now yeah. they do have um, thinner yeah. thinner yeah. sole yeah. shoes. Yeah. But to me, I it, it looked always, very yeah very, and, and I, I don't like that thick looking yeah. bulky shoe like yeah. i feel as a woman my feet are already big like i wear a 10 11 so it's kind of yeah. one of those things where you have the thicker sole like it's just i don't want to look like i have on boats on my feet yeah, so that like was one thing yeah like the, <laughs> the 90s yes so that was one of my things where i didn't try that but i've heard some great things about it yeah I, and it's cheaper than the um the next percent so uh, yeah cheaper than that but yeah. more expensive than your average like it was, or something. It was 180 right yeah yeah that's yeah. that's still you yeah. know I mean, to have the carbon little thing in there, yeah. um, I thought that was pretty good. I it thought was. about, yeah, because the next percent is what, 280? 250? 250? Mm-hmm. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Speaking of next, uh-huh. I know we talked on last episode about what Kipchoge was going to do. and Yes. yes. We we predicted that he was going to try to do it at one of the world majors. Last episode, we talked yeah, about him yeah. trying to do it at one of the world majors, but... He's gonna he's gonna do another time trial. That's he what is. I call it. It's a time trial. It's a, it's, I'm guessing it's gonna be a closed course again. Yes. Um, so they're they, actually yeah. I, they're actually saying it's gonna it's Ineos I N E O S one fifty nine challenge is what they're calling it, and they're gonna try to do it in the fall. Uh-huh. It looks like they're gonna try to do it to where spectators can come out. Like it's gonna be a whole situation to where yeah. people can actually come. Whereas when they did the breaking two, it was very secluded. They wanted it silent, like it was very quiet, like yeah, all of that. A lot of um, it was. The, you said what now? A lot of ambient sound. Yes, a lot like, of crickets. It was a lot of crickets. <laughs> so they um, definitely are wanting to do that. They said they have not finalized when it's going to be, potentially potentially in October is what they're kind of putting out there. Uh-huh. Um, and it will again won't be classified I IAF IAAF mm-hmm. rules because yeah. they are still going to have the pacers and things of that nature, mm-hmm. and they're still trying to make sure that they can find the pacers to keep up with it, but. It looks like it can be done. I think it can be done. So it's going to be in the fall. He's going to try to do it again. Yeah, it's in London yes. uh, this time. And I, I, I don't know if he can do it. You don't think so? That's You're talking sub two He hours. was only some seconds off the last one. Yeah, and he looked real tired. That's fine. I think he, I think he can do it. Kipchoge, it's, you okay. got this. It, it has to be perfect conditions. Yeah. Like as far as heat. And I think the whole reason they did it at the the place they did before because the temperatures were going to be just Cooler, right. Yeah, England in October. I mean, obviously they've. I, I'm pretty sure they've assessed. Well, it's being done by it's not it's not a shoe company doing it. No, it's, it's not. It's um a millionaire, a billionaire actually yeah. that is putting this thing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to um the uh the the House of Run mm-hmm. is a, a podcast, and they were talking about it. Um. That would be a great trip. It would be. Like to see to, that? Yeah, to go over yeah. and be able to see that. Yeah. But the only thing that was disappointing to me was, because they had been saying, 
kind of what we were like. What is he gonna do next? Mm-hmm. They were thinking like maybe in October he won't go to Berlin. He'll go. He'll come here. He'll like come to Chicago or mm-hmm. something. So that's disappointing that he. But won't within be. yeah, so within that yeah, within the article yeah. they basically said the time that they're looking at because yeah. they do have a time gap that they're looking at him doing it is going to overlap with all of the world majors. Yeah, in the so fall. so more yeah. than likely he's not going to do a world major in the fall. So no world major in the fall. Mm-hmm. He says he's gonna do all the world majors for at least. So you think maybe Boston next next uh, spring? I think he's gonna probably do Boston. God, that would be perfect. He can. I'll go there and do that five k. <laughs> I would too. That would I be. Would that. I, I would definitely. I mean, how often do you see a marathoner that? Because I mean, I understand we're runners, right. but I guarantee you, his presence would, even though Boston doesn't need any extra pub, yeah, but. How many eyes would be on oh it now? Gosh. It would be, yeah, it would be a different atmosphere. Exactly. And I know Boston is already amazing. Yeah. But yes. It would definitely. be a, with him there, that would be such a and totally different atmosphere. You definitely can't try to do it in Boston because Boston conditions are always like. Yeah, like, no. Nah, but I, I, it would be nice to see him run a, a technical. A, a, a very strategic, uh, yeah, yeah, very strategic uh, marathon, marathon. So, but yeah, sure. I, I'm excited. I, I really, I, I really would think I would enjoy. Yes. Uh, seeing that. Yes. So speaking of world majors, yeah, they trying to they they met. Can we get no, a drum roll? Man. Hold, hold can, can we get it? Can we get a drum roll? No, I don't got a drum roll. Um, <laughs> go ahead and say where it is. So <laughs> the, it has been announced today that Chengdu, China, which is in China, um, they are looking to be the seventh world major marathon. Oh, wow. To be added onto the list. Oh. So, Abbott's World Major Marathon, they are looked at as a candidate right now. Um, over the past two years, they've had about 48,000 runners from di- from 54 different countries to run their race there. So, they are looking to be the seventh World Major. They're going to be increasing their uh, ability to, to run it by um, – they're going to do th- 30K runners that can come run their marathon. 32,000. Um, 30K. 30K. 30,000 runners can oh, run 30, it now. Oh, 30,000. 30,000 runners, runners can run it now. Um, and they're going to be changing some of the out and back routes. So they're going to be changing some routes and stuff this year so that they can really try to do their seal the deal of being the new world major. So that should be interesting. Well, you know, I, I, I this whole adding world majors mm-hmm. is not something that I – Agree with why? Because you haven't because done. I you have only know you haven't done any. I'm you did one. one. I only did Chicago. I did one too. I'm Chicago. like, dude, y'all look. Let, let me, me get. get exactly. I see a lot of people. Let me get these six before y'all add the seventh yeah. one. Let me get my. Let me get my little chain <laughs> right. before y'all start adding. Yes. But yeah, so they I mean, are looking to do that. I think it's going to be some time. They've been talking about adding one for a while, and it still hasn't been done. But it is good to hear that this is still in the runnings, and it's one that they're really looking at. It has not been solidified yet. Yeah. But for those that are close to getting it done, let's do it. And, you know, in the article that I read, it's only 6,000 people that have completed a world, that have completed all six world majors. Only 6,000? That's, that's low, right? Wow. So for those people that have done it, congratulations. Like, that's a big deal. I, and honestly, they're... Running um, is huge in China, right? Like so, and I, that was what they explained. Like yeah. it's it's huge. It's continuing to grow, and I yeah. think that's a re- another one of the reasons. And because that major marathon, it was um, it was called the Chengdu um, International Marathon. Yeah. And they're going to change it to just um, Chengdu Marathon. Um, it's it's some it's a race that is pulling a lot of people from different countries, and I think that's what's making it more appetizing as well. Is like uh-huh. it's pulling a lot of people to come to actually run it, and it's in China. 
Oh, but, okay. you know, they I mean, continue it, to... It's, you know, I mean, I, I'm I'm down for whatever. If they do it, they do it. Yeah. You know, I'm so, down. But, you know, we're doing this world major. It's pricey. You got London. You got Tokyo. You got China. Like, they're, these are in pricey pricey places for us from the U.S. to travel to. Yeah. But, hey. I thought they were going to actually add the one in South Africa. I really thought that was it. But I, I'm assuming that this not as popular as this one is. Yeah. As far as... Because, I, I mean, in Africa, well... In Kenya and mm-hmm. Ethiopia, mm-hmm. you know, people don't, if you're not like a world-class runner, right. you don't jog. Right. Like, you don't see just regular people are just out running. Exactly. Yeah, it's not that kind of thing there, mm-hmm. whereas in China, I'm guessing it yeah. is. Yeah, and they want to talk about support, who pe- people that are going to come. And I guess they're trying to find a race that actually already has that level of, you know, information and, you know, support people coming. Exactly. You always want to have that stretch. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I don't like it because it has one more race that I haven't <laughs> done that now I got to do to get my it. to get my seven star. Yes. But other than that, <laughs> I, that sounds cool. I gotcha. So what you got coming up next? Um, well, I'm going to well, you know, Peachtree Road Race, so I'm training for that, so I got a 5K that I'm going to run. I'm going to run the aquarium. Um, 5K here in Atlanta, Georgia. But there's a race I think I'm just going to run. I ran it last year, the Divine Nine. Yes, um, Divine Nine. What, what's the date on the Divine so Nine? So that is June 8th, mm-hmm. um, and registration is currently open. They're actually doing a 5K, and they're adding this year a 9K. So feel free to sign up for that. Um, they're currently 30 and $35. Okay. So the rate um, rate increases for the 9K on June 2nd. So if you're interested in running that, definitely do so. So it's a 5K and 9K here in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome all park. You do not have to be Greek. You do not have to be any of the, um, you know, Greek. The three letters. Three letters? Uh, that's what they usually are. Panhellenic, yes. Panhellenic, yes. None of the nine. You don't have to be that, a.k.a. Delta, Omega, Alpha, any of those. You do not have to be any of those in order to run. Um, But it is a really good race. So, And I think that it's awesome that they added the 9K to it this year. So definitely go out and sign up for that. So, yeah, go out, sign up. I ran it last year. It's a good course. It's a good time. Yes. Um, You know, of course, it is the Divine Nine, so there are a lot of um, Greek – you know, sororities and fraternities there. And yes. actually it was fun. I felt like I was back in college. The kids right. were stepping. I was <laughs> yes, like, yeah, let's it go. It makes you feel let's like you are. Exactly. It does. <laughs> it brings a little bit of your youth to you. So for sure. So definitely sign up for that. I am going to be participating this, this weekend um, in the Rofide Landum chapter of um, Alpha. Uh-huh. They're going to have a 5K this weekend in Douglasville, Georgia. So if you're interested in that, that's new. Manchester High School, that is still open as well. That's $30 to run. Supporting Bay for that race. <laughs> and JR, obviously JR is a part of that chapter yeah. as well. But um, I'll be running that 5K this weekend. So if you're interested in the Douglasville area, that is another 5K that you can sign up for. Perfect, perfect. Yes. Um, of course, we, the race, everyone. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna you're gonna hear you're gonna go to SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google yes, Play. The race, the and, race, the and, race. And, and we're gonna talk to Dr. Lyons, and he's <laughs> gonna talk a little bit about the race as well and how it got started. But mm-hmm. of course, if you have not signed up for the race for 2019, get on it. Yes. You, VIP. Trust me. You're and gonna want to do it. The run duo. We got it. We got our own mile. We yes. are mile two, two for duo. For, we got for duo. <laughs> so make sure you sign up. And at mile two, yes. we gonna have a little something for you. Mm-hmm. We gonna have a little. We gonna have a table at the um, mm-hmm. at the expo. So we gonna have a little something to it for you. So come check us out. Yes. Um, but it's in um what what month is it? October. It is in October. First week of October. Um, so make sure you sign up. Be ready. Come if you're not from Atlanta. Come to Atlanta. If you're in Atlanta, come yes. out. 
It's a good course. It's run in an area that we don't get a lot of races in. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely scenic uh, for sure. And this year I'm going to be in shape. So yes, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a totally <laughs> different story. I am going to PR this year, so that, don't forget there's a half marathon as well as a 5K associated with this race. The half marathon, if you're trying to do a 12 week training plan, you got second week of July to get started on that. So think about it, get yourself together. Exactly. Now you probably missed last. If you didn't go last year, you missed the inaugural medal. Let me yes. see. Hold on. Where's mine at? Here we go. Oh, there See, it is. See, there it is. You ain't <laughs> get it. it. You ain't get it, but yes. that, that's some hype. It's that's, very nice That's metal. the hype that this new metal is going to have. We haven't yes. seen it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so definitely sign up for that. So yes. I'm looking forward to that. Good luck to all those that are running the Brooklyn Half Marathon this weekend. Oh, that's this weekend? Yeah, uh, so that that's is always my, a good time. That is my PR Half Marathon, and it's always a good time. <laughs> so it's in Brooklyn, New York. So good luck to everybody that's running that. And also the Cleveland Marathon is this weekend as well. The Cleveland? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. So. Well, are we ready to bring our guests we on? We are. Okay. Well, as I stated, we're getting ready to end almost live, but go to SoundCloud, iTunes, and, and Google, Google Play, Play to listen to our interview. And actually, if you want to listen to the shenanigans again, you Please can do that do. too. Go, go ahead. listen to us. Go Send ahead. some feedback. <laughs> Tell us what you think. <laughs> Peace. All right, and welcome. We have a great interview today with Ralph Lyons. He is an Atlanta runner. He's been running with Atlanta for a while, and he is a member of South Fulton Runner Running Partners, which is the oldest running partner and oldest African-American run group in the United States from what we're, we're understood of. And it's very good that you are a member of that and have been a member of that for since 1998. That is an awesome job. So how are you today, Ralph? I'm wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for taking time out of your day mm -hmm. uh, to speak with us. I'm excited to speak mm -hmm. with you because um, South Fulton Running Car, just my, uh, I don't really have an affiliation with them, but right. I do recall when I first started running, like in the early 2000s, I, I thought I was, you know, a decently fast runner. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I kept seeing these guys in these blue and white shirts, right. you know, rolling past me. And I was like, who are these Who are these guys? Right. And to come to find out, it, is, it was the South Fulton Running Partners. Um, and you've been, like you said, you've been in it since 1998. How did you get started with them? Was that your first running group? And in general, how did you get into the running uh, scene here in Atlanta? Well, I guess, first of all, I can say that I really didn't know I was a runner for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think running discovered me is probably an even better way to look at it. Uh, when I was finishing college, I never ran in college, but I had two roommates that were on the track team. So I thought this was kind of fascinating and interesting. So about my senior year in college, one of my roommates said, well, let's go for a three-mile run. I said, no, I can't do that. He said, well, sure you can. I said, well, maybe. So we took a run along the banks of the Charles River, and we ran three miles. I said, well, I guess I can do that. I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. So I said, that's fine. But, uh, but at that point, I continued in graduate school and in, in medical school, and I would jog maybe three miles a couple of days a week just because it felt normal, and I felt better doing it. I still didn't know I was a runner. Mm -hmm. So got through that particular phase of education, went on to do further training, but still a couple of days a week, maybe three days a week, three miles, and then another phase of training and touring the public health service for a couple of years. And, and uh, then I finally got back to Atlanta for good. I was in Philadelphia for a while. And uh, I started hearing about this thing called the Peace Tree Road Race. So I said, well, that sounds interesting. Uh, it's uh, six miles. I don't know if I can do that, but maybe I can. Let's just give it a go. I was curious. 
So I figured out I needed to actually train. I said, well, that's, uh, that's a good challenge. I like challenges. So about halfway through the Peachtree Road Race, coming up Cardiac Hill near Piedmont Hospital, I, uh, it began to dawn on me. I saw all these people smiling, and in particular, I passed a lady that looked like she was 80 years old with the biggest grin on her face. And out in the midst of a couple of 10,000s of runners, it dawned on me that people are really happy running. And I get it. Um, they're just really celebrating life. And for me, it's just been kind of just that, a celebration of life. And I said, well, I guess I am a runner. I've been doing this for a decade, and maybe I am a runner. <laughs> so I uh, kept up my running and uh, found some kindred souls and began to run more proficiently. And one day, uh, my wife said, well, you know, there's a neighbor that belongs to this club, and they run every Saturday. I think you might like them. I said, no, I'm a doctor. I can't run. I don't have time for the club. <laughs> so my neighbor, Robert Johnson, conspired as he hosted the run one week to run the whole group past my house. Mm. So I promised him that I would come out, but I sort of forgot about it. And I looked up, and it was about 7.30 in the morning, and all these guys in the blue and white uniforms are running past my house. I said, oh, doggone, I forgot it, so let me get it together here. And so I ran with the group. I loved it, and I said, well, I don't have time for this, but, you know, where are you running next week? Mm-hmm. So next week became next month, became a couple months later, and then about a year later, they said, well, uh, you think you ought to join the group now? I said, well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so after a year, yeah, probably need to go ahead and make you official. Right. This was 1998, yeah. and it's been a pleasure. It's been just a, a wonderful, wonderful association the entire time. Just the happiest group of people that enjoy doing what they do and getting together and after some years, I, I just told the group that, you know, you're really not a running club. You are a breakfast club with a running habit. <laughs> so. And that's funny because at your meetups, do you all kind of, and I know it's, you know, it's a membership type thing for South Fulton Running Partners, but you all always have like this great spread of brunch breakfast after your runs. And I think that that's great in fellowship. <laughs> so, yes, fellowship hour after that is the best thing ever. So I think the, the glue that binds the group together is sort of the running, but really it's the fellowship. It's really the personal connections that you make with people over time. And they're people that you may run with for long periods of time, months, years, and you may not have a clue what they do for a living. You just know that you bond uh, person to person and heart to heart and um you go places uh, running that you never thought that you'd go just because you get sort of pulled along in the draft. Right. And, uh, oh, you're running a, not just a 10K, but you're running a half marathon, and then you you get uh, someone gives you what I call the blue juice, uh, some unnaturally flavored uh, substance that makes you believe in that you can do anything. Right. Say, well, you know, you can do a marathon, and, my next thought is, well, no, I can't do that, but maybe. <laughs> so the next thing you know, you're running marathons and doing this, that, and the other, and, and then it just goes on from there. But wonderful group, uh, well-organized, and just a little history about them. Uh, the group is founded by one of the guys that's still active in the group, Jim Lemon, and one of his friends, the late Jerry McLean, in 1979. 
they were kindred souls about running, and and uh, so they got together and started running together, and a few other uh, gentlemen joined them. And and uh, after running the Peachtree Road Race, they sat down over a few pina coladas and and talked about making it formal. And uh, so they made it formal, and and uh, it's sort of been history since 1979. And as far as we know, we're the oldest African-American running group. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, no, definitely. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I've heard, too, so that's awesome. So we think we are. No one's been able to dispute that, but <laughs> things grew slowly over the years, and uh, we've kept it small and intimate, even in changing times, even in the age of social media. We've uh, had retreats to decide that we kind of like who we are, and we capped a membership in the mid 50s and and just because we get to know each other and folks make a contribution we rotate the leadership and there's always someone willing to step up and help out and uh, to hold a formal office in the beginning years there are no women in the group but they they obviously made a good decision at some point to be inclusive mm-hmm. and the group's been of course better uh, from that point forward and uh, one of the original women rosita uh, Smith has been running in the group uh, for a long, long time, one of the first couple of women in the group and a dear friend. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful experience. It really is. And to see folks that are still healthy and still out there doing it, one of my favorite uh, people in the group, I have many favorites, so I, I can't start mentioning them all, but one of my favorites is, uh, is uh, Bobby Sasbury, who's still running well and first in his age group in his 70s, so often in any races, even just last weekend. An amazing person and lots of just amazingly good people. So that's it's been just wonderful getting to know people, and it's amazing how your defenses are down. That's one of the peculiar things that I've learned about just about all endurance sports. Just an hour of running with someone, and you know their whole life story sometimes, and you're sort of bonded for life. And uh, that's the amazing thing about running and, and other endurance sports, which nowadays many of us sort of overlap, and and the endurance co- community has expanded greatly by people just dabbling in other things, myself in triathlons, and uh, others, uh, different things, cycling, etc. So that's the cool thing, and we've been able, at least I've been able to observe the explosion of the African-American endurance community. I won't say running alone, yeah. uh, but sort of started with running with the advent of social media. First, there was Black Girls Run, of course, founded by a couple of young women who talked a lot about what they love to do and their special, unique challenges of integrating into the workforce and having their hair right and things that, you know, are practical challenges sometimes with doing what you love. And and uh, after talking about it a while, they said, well, we should just get together and actually run. <laughs> so. Right, definitely. So, yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, you guys through like from, you know, the beginning till now, you've, you've kept it small. And I guess that was something that you, you did consciously. Because, I mean, nowadays, it's, yeah. a lot of times um, you'll call a group a run group and they'll get offended. I think, you know, you guys yeah. are a true, true, you know, run group. It's about mm-hmm. camaraderie and, and that sort of thing. Um, 
and even just kind of when you were talking, you have people that are, you know, age group winners. I mean, I'm guessing you also have people that are, you know, back of the Packers, too, that are part of your group, correct? Well, we really um, – your sort of worth in the group has nothing to do with your running abilities, mm-hmm. which is really how it should be. It's, it's, it's not really a meritocracy based on your running proficiency. Um, it's sort of your heart and your contribution to the esprit de corps uh, of the group probably that means more than anything else. Those that show up, participate, help others – it's amazing what people do for each other in that group. Um, we, we run through all things of life, the good and the bad. And I've watched folks, you know, suffer misfortune in their lives, loss of their loved ones and spouses. And someone or many people typically in the group will just step up and be there for them. You know, if it's not cutting their lawn or just taking care of them uh, through all the times of life, you sort of run through life together, I think. Definitely. And that's what it's all about. And, and being a, a true group that's bonded heart and soul um, is, is really what it's about. Yeah, definitely. And I think I definitely see you all as that. Like, uh, it's very, gives me a family-oriented feel. And I think I really, like, appreciate that for, about you all and being able to come together and have that type of fellowship and supporting each other through through the ups and downs and the great times. And, again, like you said, pulling out age group rewards and, you know, being there and showing up. And I think that that's something that's very, very interesting. Now, I know since you all has, since South Fulton Running Partners has been around a while, you've been running a while, you being here in Atlanta running community, can you tell us kind of what you have seen in regards to the transitions and the positive things that Atlanta now has in regards to just the Atlanta running community? It seems like it has evolved. What is your thoughts on seeing it over the years and its changes? I think Atlanta has been a seminal place in the evolution of the running community. Uh, Back when I started running with them, there was one other group that ran the self-decap striders, and they're still running today. And they're a group of similar size and uh, similar uh, bonding attributes. Um, But there was no one else running on a regular basis. So with the advent of uh, Black Girls Run and social media, who's climbed to the tens of thousands probably across the nation, And shortly after Black Girls Run, there was Black Men Run, who expanded to tens of thousands across the country and different pods even within Atlanta. And and then now there are probably 20, I don't know how you call them, not running groups, but running organizations of some sort, whether they be loosely or more tightly knit, Mm -hmm. that just are in Atlanta alone. And uh, so that is the cool thing. And as things have evolved, the enthusiasm for running and number of African-American runners. Also, what's evolved is is how they do things and the, the people with ideas and skills that have put their talents together and their focus together soar, towards other things. And this is just taking it to another level. So the the Atlanta groups... Uh, particularly black men and run and black girls run have spawned chapters in just about every major city and many smaller cities across the United States. And we'd like to think that we're sort of a a mentoring group to them or 
spiritual mentor, if nothing else, just uh, as a guide that uh, just shows people, you know, the, the path forward in our own way. We are who we are, and they are who they are, and and um, we like to think that we help to spur that that uh, running movement in some ways, along with the other dynamics of society which made it flourish. So I'm proud of that. And one of the interesting things that happened starting about six or seven years ago now is one of the guys in our group, Alonga Thandaway, who's also very active in the uh, running group as well as the cycling group and the triathlon group community, um, had the bright idea that why don't we just invite all of the running groups in Georgia, all the African-American or just a big old group run on a Saturday in March, and we'll call it the summit. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and first year, a couple hundred people showed up. So I said, aha, <laughs> you know, things are really expanding. As far away as Savannah, the, the Savannah Pacers came, and all sorts of other groups came, and as well as the larger groups in Atlanta and a few other people. So we did that for a couple of years, and it was just fun. We'd uh, throw down, we'd have a run, we'd have music, we'd have you know, fry fish and do what we do, having a great time. Nothing real formal beyond that, just introducing the groups and connecting people together. And then about two to three years ago, uh, one of the folks in the community uh, had another idea and said, you know, why don't we have something more formal with this, uh, with the summit that you're going to have? Let's have a panel discussion mm-hmm. and we'll have the uh, longest standing uh, groups that are in the community just be a part of a discussion. And um, so we began that, and um, that was a real success. Behind that thought, uh, sort of uh, in the background, was that maybe if there's enough enthusiasm behind the summit that we do and the, the panel that we do, that there is an impetus to do our own race together. And uh, so we'll kind of get a feeling for that as we uh, have the the summit, which evolved to a podcast with that too. So it's not surprisingly there was interest with that because we realized that not only did we have a lot of enthusiastic runners, but at this point we had a lot of people with other skills folks who ran races, Tess Sobel Mahim Marshall uh, has been a a race director, certified race director, and very successful at it for several years. Mm -hmm. So she became a factor behind it, along with uh, people who are uh, in leadership positions, people who have social media reach, people who have dedicated hearts, people that uh, have organizing skills, people that have reach in the business community. So the thought was spawned from that particular conference that maybe we will have a race with national draw, which I've told them in my mind, though, uh, with apologies to to uh, Damon of FUBU, so that we would have our own race for us and by us. Mm-hmm. The thought was spawned about the race, the race. Um, uh, a national 13.1 uh, half marathon that would 
be unapologetically uh, run um, through our neighborhoods using all vendors, supporting uh, organizations, uh, grassroots organizations mainly, no title sponsors, just us. Uh, we called ourselves collectively the, the Unity Collective, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have expertise and the reach to do it and do it really well. So I said, this is an idea I love. I believe this is an idea that will resonate. So I'm in, I'm fully in. So a core group of us, about five or six of us, began as the founding members of it. And, you know, it expanded to sometimes groups of 20 or 30 meeting monthly to make this first inaugural event happen last October. And it was just so wonderful to see it all come together and meet all of our metrics of financial success. You know that social media is powerful, but when Tess decided that, well, let's do a Kickstarter campaign and let's set a lofty goal of having $60,000 so we'll know that we'll have backing for the race, I said, well, that seems like a lot of money in my own silly mind. But uh, in 24 hours, we had half of that race. Mm -hmm. I said, hmm. I think we're on to something here, guys. Right. So we uh, had uh, basically 1,500 runners as we had hoped for our first meeting and enough, our first run and enough enthusiasm that the second run will be bigger and there'll be logistical challenges to to grow and to, to make it the, the wonderful thing that we all have in our minds to continue. Right. But it just shows you how running has evolved so rapidly really within the last decade Mm -hmm. starting with our expertise right in Atlanta we have everything that we need right here to do it and do it well and to organize it I watched another group the National Black Marathoners uh, Mm -hmm. rise up and long distance runners across the country so they're doing great things too and um, so it's really a beautiful thing I've also watched the uh, the um, black triathlon group evolved. I started doing triathlons maybe 15 years ago, just dabbling. I thought, well, I'm going to get older. My knees might not hold up. Maybe, maybe not. So I'll get a bicycle. So one thing led to the other. I said, well, I can swim a little bit. So I started doing triathlons. And then lo and behold, there was lots of even more enthusiastic people running around doing the same thing. Right. But uh, Four years ago, four or five years ago, Tony Brown said, well, you know, this is the age of social media and lots of enthusiastic people, so let's create another organization and connect people across the country. So BTA, or Black Triathletes Association, was formed, and within a year, there was more than a 1,000 people connected to that and people helping one another from across the country, getting to know one another virtually, showing up at races and and uh, long course triathlon events, you, you really need a Sherpa or someone to help you out to organize the, the myriad of details that go into being in the race as a participant. Mm-hmm. But that's a wonderful, beautiful thing to see happening as well, too. So really, it's a, a, a woven tapestry of interconnected African-American athletes across the country uh, doing lots of interesting things that... Uh, no one person could conceive of people running marathons on every continent and uh, as a <laughs> yeah you're right really funny person that i know heather king who organized take down atlanta and had several hundred african-american folks running the public's 
half marathon and marathon last year right. enough that the organizers of the race took note and uh, you know gave them the props. But Heather's now organizing a, a group of 30 African Americans or more to run a marathon in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So people are thinking outside of the box and and uh, enjoying life and connecting with one another and it's been a wonderful thing to be a witness to right and I think I mean Ralph you have done a great job on kind of giving the whole journey of from the first african-american group and being able to transition to the summit to us having I do and I was a part of the panel that was here in Atlanta of just the different groups that came together and was able to talk about kind of the running community and what that looks like and bringing everyone together and even seeing some faces that are here in Atlanta running community that never mesh together. And I think that that panel was something that started that and onto the race. And Tommy and I are very, very, Big time. Uh, love big time. <laughs> we love the race and are, you know, love, love to Tess. be a part yeah. of the race. And Tess is amazing. Heather is amazing. Yeah. We've had both of them on our podcast. Um, but it's really good and, and very, um, what should I say? Humbling to listen to someone tell the story from years and years before and just seeing it evolve and how great the Atlanta running community has been and will continue to be. And if we all just continue to do great things and bring up great ideas, us being able to execute it here in Atlanta is nothing short of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess Atlanta is just one of these prophetic places where African-Americans have started uh, things and it becomes the the cradle that nurtures the whole nation for wonderful things and it's an interesting parallel to me that the running and other parts of the endurance community have all started right here between the triathletes the runners the, the cyclists i often ride with the the uh, metro atlanta cycling club or mac who's been around a long time one of the premier and oldest, if not the oldest, African-American cycling group in, in the country as well, too. They might not be the oldest, but they're certainly one of the most established and well-known and, and a wonderful group of people. And again, there's such overlap and interconnection between the groups now. There wasn't that big sense of that when I started running 20-something years ago. But now it's been just wonderful to watch. And uh, and the wonderful thing that I realized as we did our first summit conference was that it allows people to take charge of their own health and their own happiness. I think that I remarked to one of the panelists from BGR that you guys have started something that has maybe done more for the health of African-American women in particular than maybe anything I've done as a physician on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. You know, I preach the gospel of good health and healthy behavior and doing things, and my own enthusiasm, you know, spills over into to what I do perhaps there too. But to organize it at a level that makes it very practical and accessible for a large number of people now, especially a younger generation of folks changes mindsets and uh, allows folks to break out of some traditional thinking and really improve the health in, in a way that uh, probably couldn't be done otherwise. So I really 
am grateful to watch that aspect of it too, looking at it from my uh, uh, 30,000 foot bird's eye view as a person involved in healthcare through the years. Now, with and, and just kind of, and, and like uh, um, Indy was saying, like you, you've kind of taken us the story mm-hmm. from the beginning to, to bringing it up till now. As an accidental runner, I guess you would say, you know, somebody just that really didn't think they were a runner until after they, you what, you've been running for five mm-hmm. years before you decided <laughs> that you're actually a runner. If somebody was trying uh-huh. to start out now, how, what, what kind of advice, um, as a, as a healthcare provider, as a, a person that runs, what kind of advice would you give someone who was just starting out, getting into running? Um, what would you tell them? I would tell them that you really don't know what you're going to love. So you have to have an open mind. You have to just try things and throw a bunch of things up against the wall and see what sticks. There is a club for everybody, I'm convinced, in this universe, no matter what you're into. And uh, if you think you might have an inner athlete in you, possibly, give things a try. It doesn't have to be running, but running is what I turned out to love. But there's an enthusiastic group of people that will support you, that will give you all kinds of practical advice from what shoes to wear and what to do and and how to get going and to encourage you and letting and let you know that everybody starts with baby steps and uh, many runners don't start running they start walking and and they start for one reason and they continue it uh, for other reasons my one of my running theses is that you uh you might start running for your health or some other benefit that you conceive in your head, but what keeps you running is not that. You'll fall off the wayside if you're running just to keep your weight down or your diabetes under control or your blood pressure under control. That's not what's going to hook you and keep you running. You're going to keep running, A, because there's something about it that resonates with you, but B, it could be that the people that you're running with that connect you and uh, just keep you going. And then all of a sudden you realize that you're, you're hooked and you've found that it's something that makes you happy. And once you're happy or once there are other reasons that you run, you may have an inner competitive spirit that you didn't know about. You may try to run more proficiently because you don't want uh, so-and-so to catch up with you or you want to catch up with someone else that you weren't able to catch up with this right. Saturday. You might so, and you may lose weight because you want to catch up with someone, not because you think it'll make you look better or you think it'll improve your health. So I think that people probably continue the activity because there's something inside them and, and not something just theoretical, but something at a more uh, granular level at the level of the soul, which connects you to the things like that right and I think that definitely makes sense I know when I started out running it was the weight loss thing and then the weight loss thing turned into me being addicted to racing and running (laughs) and now I'm doing it and I'm like "Ah, I can't stop so I totally understand that it becomes a piece of it so for sure I I do have I do have one last question about uh South Fulton Running Partners the names of your courses 
like you guys like I, I i have received the emails and like this week it's hilly top something something or you know the different courses that you guys run who started that you know given the different names for the different routes that you guys run uh good question that sort of began organically i think when we moved beyond the age of uh telephoning folks to tell them where the run was this week in the old days when there probably there there weren't any cell phones at some point when the group was started. By the time I came along, of course, there were cell phones, and there'd be a weekly phone call that would be spread out uh, to let folks know. Uh, we started running after all before the age of uh, you know the internet. <laughs> but once the internet evolved, you know, it sounds like the dark ages now. But uh, once uh, media to connect us evolved it sort of began organically you announce your run and you give some details about it just uh, inviting all and uh many began just giving a theme and there were some common places that we ran we often ran at the um the, the welcome all at welcome all park so but then other folks had some other interesting routes that had perhaps lots of hills or killer hills and other things, other interesting attributes or, or runs in the park or nature. And, and so people just started getting more creative and then it somehow got formalized over time that uh, just to make it interesting. So I don't know. Some <laughs> things are all organic, just like the group. I hear mm-hmm. you. That makes sense. Well, Ralph, I, I have truly enjoyed yeah. speaking with you um, about For the sure. South Fulton Running Partners as well as, you know, giving us the history lesson of where they started and how they have contributed toward the history of running here in Atlanta. Um, before we go, if you had anything else that you want to say to our listeners? Well, I think that uh, find something you love and stick with it find something healthy for you that you might love and stick with it, whether it be running, cycling, tennis, um, or just find a group because there's somebody out there for you. And uh, if you want to run, there are plenty of runners that will run with you step by step and will get you from three steps to six miles and, mm-hmm. and make a period of time and will take you places that you never thought that you would go. That's been my journey, and that's been a wonderful one. Awesome. That is true. We welcome all. Welcome all. <laughs> well, thanks again, Ralph. Thank we you, really Ralph. appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak with us. Yes. And you try to have a good Thank one, you. okay? Thank you very much. Thank all you, right. Ralph. Take care. That was a great oh my interview. Goodness. Yes. He's like to have the experience that he has and he knows what Atlanta was yeah, prior exactly, to. Like exactly. it's just great. He knows the beginnings of all of that. And, and I, how and Atlanta has grown as a running community. Exactly. And I mean, mm-hmm. I love history. I'm a big time history buff, not beyond running, but just in general, I love mm-hmm. listening about history and how things used to be. Not that I want to go back to them, right. but it's just <laughs> always interesting to understand and put it in perspective mm-hmm. when you're doing things now. Right of what it used to be or what you had to go through to get things done, you know, back in the day. So thank you, Dr. Lyons, for giving us that. Thank you, Dr. Lyons. So once again, a great episode, episode 30. We got another one in the books. Of course. Um, So India. Yes. 
How can they get in touch with so, you? So you can find me on Instagram at I underscore of underscore indigo, E-N-D-I-G-O underscore run. So that's I am indigo runs. And you can also find me on Facebook at India Cook. And you can email me at milesfromindia at gmail.com. And you can get me at Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two at gmail.com. Um, as well as on my Instagram at tmitch68. And, of course, on the Instagram for the Run Duo, the Run yes. Duo. I guess that's what it is. Yes, the uh, Run Duo. <laughs> the Run Duo <laughs> on, on Instagram. So DM me there. If you guys just want to comment, if you just you got ideas for the show, if you got somebody that you want us to interview, we definitely get sure. those a lot. So And we try to keep up with them, but it's just yes. hard because we, we constantly have people that are like, hey, well, I want to hear about them, I want to hear about them. We gotta. We we gonna get to them. Don't right. worry. Don't for we sure. gonna get to them for sure. <laughs> well, India. Yes. Another, another great, great episode. Show. Yes, yes, yes. See y'all in a couple of weeks. Bye.